Hello and welcome to Sean White's Solar and Energy Storage Podcast. This week we're going to talk more with Bill Brooks about connecting your car to the grid, not just for charging your car, but also for sending power the other direction from your car to wherever you want, because you should be able to send it wherever you want, because this is America. EV manufacturers are not yet letting us use our cars for bi-directional purposes in the United States, which may be a good conspiracy theory. In fact, probably once in a while, the conspiracy theory is correct. It is interesting that it is the EV manufacturers that are the ones not letting us use our EV batteries in both directions and not the code. The NEC allows for bi-directional EV connections as we can see in Article 625 EV Power Transfer System. That was last week's topic. Maybe the EV manufacturers are turning into greedy auto industry executives, just like the ICE industry. And ICE is not cool in this case. It stands for internal combustion engine. You know those people who burn stuff to make energy, like cavemen? Not a very sophisticated way when we can use crystals and sunlight to make energy, or even wind turbines. This podcast was an offshoot of myself and Bill talking about 705.13, Power Control Systems, which is part of NEC Article 705, Interconnected Power Production Sources. If you want to be able to feed the grid, you would also have to comply with Article 705. If you want to power your house when the grid is down, you would also have to comply with Article 710, Standalone Systems. We tie all of this together in our online free two-hour class for NABCEP continuing education credit and prerequisite credit entitled Solar Building Codes, Fire Codes, EVs, Rapid Shutdown, and Energy Storage Systems. And even more thoroughly in our advanced 40-hour and 30-hour classes at HeatSpring. You can go there by going to solarshawn.com. That's solar, S-E-A-N.com. Let's get to our talk. What about like you were talking about your car being able to potentially backfeed the grid? Mm-hmm. What were the numbers on that? You've got a three-phase... It's got a three-phase 150-kilowatt uh, inverter that runs... The, that's the motor controller. And that could be repurposed and reprogrammed to run on two phases, which is split phase for a house. And uh, it's got the voltage ratings and everything easily to do that. And it could run a hundred kilowatt split phase to your house. And I think that's enough for most people. You could be running a house like a rich, stupid person with a rich, stupid person could run their house on that. (laughs) Um, And so then it just comes down to how long it takes to run that battery out. So that is one of the possibilities. We could either go directly into the high voltage battery. We could use the onboard inverter reprogrammed, or we could somehow use the charging circuit system at a lower level. So those are all three options that a vehicle could possibly bring to a house. The cost of adding those features to an electric vehicle are pretty minimal and it would only affect the warranty of the car. And so a lot of people, when they get into this, they go, oh, the warranty of the car, the warranty of the car. Well, I just did the math yesterday with a guy over drinks and my car warranty is about 33,000 kilowatt hours over its lifetime. So I can take out and put in about 33,000 kilowatt hours over the 10 year, 100,000 mile warranty. That's what they're figuring on. 
So my warranty should really be 33,000 kilowatt hours and forget this stuff about miles and years or just simply add it as the third metric to that warranty. And then if I have a 33,000 kilowatt hour warranty, it's already tracking how many kilowatt hours have gone in and out of it. I guarantee you that. I can get a daily report on how many kilowatt hours have gone in and out of my battery. All right. And so all they do is say, okay, you want to use this on vehicle to grid. We got no problem with that. It just, you're going to be cha-ching out of your 33,000 kilowatt hours. And there's nothing stopping me from using up my 100,000 mile warranty in one year, right? I could drive 100,000 miles in a year and I would use up that warranty. I could wait 10 years and use up my warranty that way. Or I could run my house on the car and use it up in two years. Okay, well, look, I'm, this is America. I, you know, I can, I can use that warranty any way that I want. Um, so the idea that, oh, the battery manufacturers you know, and, the, and the car manufacturers, they can't figure out the warranty. I, that's the first response out of everybody's mouth. And I'm like, no, this is the simplest thing ever. They already have all the data. They just need to throw a number on the table. Pick a number. I don't care what it is. 33,000. Throw it out there. And then they monitor it. They have no question as to whether or not you're within your warranty or outside your warranty. And then the other part of it is going to be that all the equipment that interfaces with your car is going to have to be validated by the car manufacturer. And that's really so that you don't overcurrent things. I can use up to a 150 kilowatt charger on my car and it can charge my car in 18 minutes from 20% state of charge to 80% state of charge. In less than 20 minutes, I can do that. That's unbelievable. And then I have to ask myself, the manufacturer says that's okay to do. And they're saying that it's not gonna void my warranty, it's not gonna reduce my warranty. I'm a little worried about that personally. I, I'm not going to do that because I think that's too hard of a charge. You know, I, I want to protect my investment more, but they're willing to back it up. So if they're willing to back it up for a 150 kilowatt charger that's on the order of 300 amps of current, then I can't think of a stationary inverter that could even come close to giving that thing a hard time. Yeah, the, the other night we were walking around in San Diego we kind of figured out that your car costs just about the same amount as just the DC portion of the battery if you just bought the batteries straight to put them on your wall. Yeah, so if I went to LG Chem and I bought the same size battery that's in my car, which is an LG Chem battery, exactly the same battery, with the rebates that were available on my car, uh, the, the final cost would be the same for, just for the battery, and the car came for free. That's pretty good. Free car. Free car. Yeah. Uh, so anyway... Uh, exciting stuff. So we could sell the batteries out of your car and then convert it to gasoline. What a great idea. Thanks, Sean, for that. So when you get an electric car, make sure to insist that they make it compatible with EV to grid. Possibly the first auto manufacturer that's going to do this is going to be Nissan with the Leaf. And that probably has something to do with Fukushima. After that big nuclear plant accident, people were out of power and they made a rule that people had to get a car that would be able to provide electricity. And so, if you're down near Fukushima on a failed nuclear power plant tour after your previous stop in Chernobyl, you might even see somebody living off of the electricity in their car. What a solid way to get into the EV industry. Just have your country have a nuclear power plant failure. 
Thanks, Bill, and thanks for listening to Sean White's Solar and Energy Storage Podcast. Our guest these past few weeks has been the famous Bill Brooks, who has been writing codes for the solar industry for decades. Thank you so much, Bill. To learn more about our classes or to hire Sean and Bill for your company to talk about solar, energy storage, and codes, go to solarshawn.com. Copy? Copy?